What's going on, everybody? It is Thursday, February 23rd, and you have found the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. I am your host, Matt Swaski, a.k.a. Southside Zoe, a.k.a. Father Zoe. And with me, as always, Mr. Aldo Soto. Going to try to be as positive as possible this episode. Try to avoid any backlash. Trying to get, avoid any lawsuits. Don't want any of that. Nope. None of that. Looking at you, Fitz. The good Reverend K. Fitz. Uh, I just thought we're all here pulling by the string, same string, stream, stream, swing, swing, stream, swing, swing, string, swing, stream. I don't know. We're pulling by something together. That's what we're doing. Pulling something. And, and NASCAR Mitch. I'm pissed off. The Daytona be. 500 this week was this week. <laughs> and the driver I was pulling for did not win. Neither was the manufacturer. So it sucks. We're going to talk about that, bud, because I came prepared this week. For NASCAR minute, NASCAR minute is gonna be a little longer than usual this week, because oh yeah, five hundred minutes, minutes. Yeah, it's gonna be a NASCAR. I feel like that for the. Hey, we actually got people watching us on Twitch. There you go. Shout out to the Twitch. What up? I want to be a Twitch streamer. But also, if you are on Twitch, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Yeah, go to YouTube real quick. And the Twitch channel while you're there. And and that. Be our first Twitch subscriber. Share it. I think I subscribe to us on Twitch. I don't. No, we're firmly in the single digits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Firm, Twitch game, but yeah, uh, we need to uh, get those subscribers up. But uh, we got a lot to talk about. We got TA uh, Elvis. Uh, we got Rios, Cubs fifth starter. Uh, conflicting reports about Contreras' contract offer from the Cubs, which I promise all of you, you will not have to sit through what I sat through yesterday about it. <laughs> I'm so glad I muted that shit. Like, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. I was going back uh, up and later, and it was like, it's still going. We got to listen to you bitch about some dude cause winning a race because his car wasn't made at the same factory all day on Sunday. Yeah, at least that's interesting. I asked legit questions yes, on Sunday about NASCAR, which I'm very curious. But I have one when we get to the NASCAR minute. Yes. I have, I have a lot because I, I lost money oh, and I'm hot. At least it. the NASCAR texts are like a minor inconvenience. That was like a thumb workout scrolling through trying to reread all that stuff. You know, there's yeah, a button. That has that was like a 15 minute like time effort to reread everything. Kevin caught me in the perfect time. I was like not not doing anything. Oh, I could tell. I I could tell right away. <laughs> I could so tell right away in our group chat that there's times when all those start answering. I'm just like, well, all the last time today. And that's what I'm just like, all right, here we go. Well, and you know that I've been drinking coffee because I'm I'm, I'm messaging like massively and it's fast and it's it's obviously caffeinated, which means I'm obviously sitting on the shitter too because that's what coffee does. (laughs) And I've got a free second away from like the teenagers. <laughs> yep. You, you nope. got the fastest fingers in the way. Like you can fire off like a paragraph in like ten seconds. You'll see like oh. that bubble come up, and it'd be like two seconds, and then like boom, it's a paragraph. It's like holy shit. No problem. Yep. My problem is sometimes I just hit send after each sentence instead of just like building a whole paragraph. Yes, and a, we're you aware. Know, a nice pose. So like, yes. you get like a bing, 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 Forest code for like help me. Yeah, we're aware. <laughs> Are we aware of this delicious cup that I'm drinking from? Ooh, Make that sure, Kevin. Yeah. Fastest, fastest fingers Look in the West. Alice. You know, you know where I got this cup from? I got this from this really nice fanny pack that came in the Look mail. That, it is real. The the fanny <laughs> pack is real. And Ivy fanny pack. It fits at least six to eight natural light and probably Hold that bad boy up again. Hold that bad boy up again. Look at that. You know what we need to do? Kevin did I'm the in research. A, Six to eight beers. 
Yep, six there to eight beers fit in this baby. You can bring it to the tailgate. Um, you could also fix, fit um, uh, your your mini bong if you want a mini bong. Like, um, and if you uh, if you're a chef, you could put a whole box of nitrous in there. Um, that fits if you're a chef. So and you make you know um, pastries and use whipped cream. So you know how they had like that billboard, like the GoFundMe to get like the Fire Jerry billboard. I'm in this group chat or like Facebook group called NASCAR Ship Posting, and a bunch of them pulled some money together to sponsor an ARCA car, and they had like the paint scheme, NASCAR Ship Posting on the paint scheme or whatever. We need to do that with the pinwheels and ivy. Like you look at that cup, that would make a great looking paint scheme. GoFundMe, we get our paint. This is a one liter jug, right? I mean, I want to carry my one liter Cubs jug because uh, I'm walking through. Uh, um, you know, the neighborhood around Wrigley and, and you know, it's, oh, that's the, that's the wrong zipper. There's two zippers, guys. There's two. You can put your gum uh, or your spit or H, your, uh, or, 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 you know, you, you can maybe put your cigarettes. So in that's here. a deal because we only charge you for one zipper. That's right. Get two. And then we throw in a free zipper. Free yeah. Zipper. I mean, right. Honestly, I mean, look at this. And then just all this space. There's so much room for activities. Guys, guys this is what I do for a living. Leave the selling shit to me. Just give me the, the product and I'll sell the shit out of it. So if you act now, we'll throw in the second zipper for free. It works. It works. It works. Look at that. Oh, yeah. So let's tap this cat. Free build of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Straight rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, nigga, it all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy. This show is sponsored by Sports Mockery, sportsmockery.com. Make sure you download the app, turn on push notifications, so you'll be the first to know when Mitch drops his next fascinating story. Um, uh, sports mockery, sports mockery.com also brought to you by uncle buds, 9,700 South Cicero in Oak lawn. Go check it out. They do have Lenten specials for the people that get down like that. Um, a lot of fish, a lot of fish going on over there at uncle buds, but, uh, still their normal weekly specials. They got trivia. They got, uh, what else they got going on over there? Bingo one night, karaoke night. There's always something going on. We at got uncle a buds. fish taco Tuesday. Yep. Go check them out. Actually, they do. That was a special they put on their uh, page yesterday. Um, go check them out. 9700 South Cicero. And then also, as Fizz has been modeling so graciously throughout the uh, beginning of the show here, we had a merch store. Mm-hmm. The link is in the bio. It's in my bio personally. It's on the show bio. Uh, got everything. We got nice little cups there. Look at Fitz model. A little wine chiller. If you want to like, if you want to get real classy and throw some rose and an ice cube in there on yeah. those, 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 a nice buttery um, chardonnay. Yeah. yeah a nice. Yeah, that's a sweet looking cup. It I is. Mean, nice that thing back. It really did come out really well. Yeah. Like, it's very clear. It's vivid. But we got hoodies, pullover hoodies, zip up hoodies, t-shirts, hats. There's fucking Chuck T's. 
Oh, we have an apron. We have a cooking apron. My wife a cattle report shirt. Yeah, there's a cattle report shirt. Most importantly, uh, the cattle report shirt. Yeah. For every cattle report shirt that's sold, Mitch's internet gets a little better. <laughs> True. Say it. That's why the show is delayed. It's because the internet yep. out in the sticks. Yep. Not that good. Yep. I listened to Mitch's uh, radio show and I almost fell out of my chair laughing because he stumbled on like three different things and he's like, and I'm Mitch and that was me trying to read the news. And I was fucking <laughs> dying, dude. He said it so deadpan, too. I was like, this is the best thing ever. You know what? Uh, for when the Sox signed Elvis Andres, for some reason, like, they have Elvis Presley in the country music playlist. So I was just sneaking in as many Elvis songs as I could, like subconscious celebration ooh, of the Elvis yeah. Andres celebration. Nice. None of the Missourians got it, but I was pretty proud of myself. That's shocking. Is it called Missourians or Missourians? Missourians? I don't, know. I don't even know. It's misery. It sounds misery. Just, really. Misery. It is. Um, but go and buy some shit from the store. You'll look all fancy and shit at the Sox games this year or Cubs games. Um, can't guarantee you'll go all the way, but I'm guaranteeing at least second base if you show up rocking some pinwheels gear. It's um, pretty true. Yeah. I mean, it's, like having, it's like having a wingman without even having a wingman. Yeah, four wingmen. Yeah. yeah. If you get it's the true. fanny pack. I mean, honestly, someone might even dry hump uh, your fanny pack. Yeah, uh, fanny pack right. might be guaranteed third base. Some bumping and grinding, guaranteed third base. Actually, I will guarantee it. So staff of approval. What guaranteed. is third base anyway? What is? is, is just I like, don't know these days. Tomorrow? I don't know. I don't, kids are days, weird. Third base Dude, can. Uh... Third base is like an OTPJ, HJ. Don't ask me. As a good Christian, I don't know anything about this. In <laughs> a while. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Everything's That's, different. Makes it's really hard to know. It's really hard to know when you haven't been to the ballpark in a while, but. <laughs> I'm just a home run hitter these days. Run uh, uh, out here on home run derby. Yeah, yes. You let TA worry about the singles. He's getting to first base. Yeah, it's like the up. Adam Dunn effect. You're either hitting a home run, you're striking out, or you're walking to the couch. It's three yeah. outcome. It's three outcome. Three outcome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an app. Rap group. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, little Zan opens for him. Uh, yeah, it's a good good time to remind everybody, subscribe to this channel. Uh, for This is some hard-hitting baseball analysis yeah. you've gotten here in this first Vortex game. Like that. No we are getting not. close. We're almost halfway to the goal, people. Almost halfway there. Tune in next week as we break down Abbott and Costello's classic yeah. comedy routine. Be a part of the movement. Where will you be when Pinwheels and Ivy hits 1,000 subs? I mean, it's the anniversary of Miracle on Ice. I think this is going to rank right below that mm-hmm. in historical events. It's not an urn. Shit. You got to get there. Be part of the movement. Tell your sons. Tell your daughters. Call your friends. Call your neighbors. You're old and you're telling Mm -hmm. the kids stories. You're going to want to tell them that you were part of something. You were part about getting pinwheels and ivies to 100,000 subs. Just do it. Do it. Dog loves it. There you go. See, dogs are involved. Create your dog an account and subscribe from that account. I think if you're going like famous days, it's like Pearl Harbor, Kennedy assassination, 50 feet of crap, pinwheels, getting 100 subscribers. It's like one of those. I actually, I'd actually buy that shirt. Maybe we'll make that shirt and give it away to one of our subscribers. And our podcasts are also closed captioning. Um, so you can get it in all sorts of languages. Um, so there's that. And even know that added bonus. We don't even charge for that. Nope. And press that cute chick from Taiwan with your pinwheels yeah. and ivy shirt. She, uh, she'll be in the chat soon, posting yep. some links to her page. Russian broad, she'll be here. A kissy face um, and emojis and some wet. What does the water mean? I don't know what that means. 
Uh, Wait. So when a man gets excited, Kevin, uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, uh, whap! Sorry. Sound that you when you hit a ball well, you square it up. Whap! Whap! Yeah, I saw some whack rapper saying like, "I got that whap," and I was like, at first, I was like, "What?" And then, yeah. what, is he? He was like, what, is, what is this Elmer Fudd? Yeah, you're whapping. <laughs> it took me a minute. I was like, oh, okay. Good for you. It's an acronym. Moist. Um, for against performance. It's, a, it's, a, it's analytics. It's a... So, what? That, that's a made up thing, right? By uh, the people, mainly women, who say they get freaked out when someone says moist. Nope, I that's true. My sister's like hates that no, word. No, I no, I know that they do, but like that's like what is it? That's it was a song. It was a Cardi like, B song. Yeah, but like what? No, 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 no. no, no. It's what, a long-running thing. Like every yeah, sister. Yeah, people are like, oh my god, don't like I hate when people say the word moist. I used to throw moist towels at her. I was such a little dick. I was an asshole. I used to taunt her frequently. If you need a bucket and a mop, is it really worth your time? I don't know. Oh yeah. <laughs> You know that's Mitch, subjective. That's a lot of cleaner. Yeah, I was gonna say, Mitch. I don't know, buddy. It could be. <laughs> I mean, I I'll tell you that story when you're a little. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that story when you're a little older, kid. You're using a mop. Yeah. You didn't throw that on a tarp. That's the yeah. problem. Sometimes you gotta get thirty it seconds but, for a couple hours of chores, mopping a floor afterwards. I don't know. I don't think it's worth. I walked into the room thinking, "Why is there tarp all over the furniture?" <laughs> and I turned around to make sure that cousin Vito wasn't behind me. <laughs> Sorry, Mitch. <laughs> Mitch looks all. Mitch looks like he's climbing the rope in gym class. He's all uncomfortable and shit. Mix, uh, all right. So shout out to TA for giving us a bunch of shit to talk about today. Uh, TA's been on a little bit of a press tour, which first and foremost, very unlike him. He usually doesn't do interviews. And then all of a sudden, he's like the only White Sox player being interviewed. In the last couple of days, it started with on Tuesday, he did an exclusive interview with Barstool Carl. Turns out who, it wasn't that exclusive. Who, cause... yeah, right. <laughs> he, just, he just said publish first. Um, I have the quickest internet. But Carl, who used to be part of Barstool Chicago, I don't think he's part of that anymore. He just handles the starting nine show for Barstool now. Uh, uh, Barstool but, Baseball. Oh, I'm sorry. They rebranded it? They did. Okay. Barstool Baseball. Um, RIP Jake Arrieta on, well, on Barstool. Or starting <laughs> nine. All right, he's, he doesn't do it with Carl anymore? I don't believe so. I don't. I can't keep up with that shit. But um, so he pushed publish on his interview on Tuesday. That was a tough interview to sit through. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then Chuck Garfine put his interview out on Wednesday, and apparently so did The Athletic, and so did The Sun-Times. Um, T.A. Was, was in a talkative mood, and I think part of it is he does feel a little bit more pressure to do shit like that because Abreu's gone. Like, you know, make himself more available to the media and be out there. But one thing that I learned in the last two days, and it's not going to be – what people are all up in arms about is that um, I'm a big fan of TA as a player. TA sucks at interviews. 
I don't I don't know how else to sugarcoat this. It's not even like because of what he said or like what it was just he 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 just talked into his chest. Like the whole interview, it made it a little harder to understand. And I know like he's got that southern like quick kind of draw to what he says, but like he doesn't really enunciate and then it seemed like before each interview he went into the interview with like a, a tagline in his head and he was just gonna it was almost like super troopers when they bet each other who could say meow the most like he was like just trying to get that tagline like mm-hmm. if you listen to the barstool carl interview with them or barstool baseball however you want to by the way can i just say this barstool carl sounds like the epitome of like a really average pirate name if you were like a pirate on like a Arr. ship i am barstool carl Arr. and the guy's like, like yeah fuck you so Here. in that yeah. interview they talked a lot about people criticizing ta and one of the biggest criticisms that's come up is how he doesn't hit for power anymore and he must have said 10 something times in that interview i can get a first base and when i get to first base i can turn that into a double or a triple or I could score from first base. Like he just kept reiterating that point over and over. And it was it made it like tough to listen to. And then the the Chuck Garfine interview, that's the one that everyone's all fired up about today or Wednesday. If you take a shot every time he says, I want everyone to pull from the same string, it is string. Stream, string, 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 trim, trim, trim. If you took a shot, you would be in this hospital right now getting your stomach pumped for alcohol poisoning like even the 108 guys couldn't handle that because yeah it was uh it's just it's tough to listen to and i get his message and i feel like well here let's start at the beginning of where everybody's getting mad so i don't know beef this is if you if you listen to the interview man he says it like 50 times um yeah like yes, yes, we do know you score, Tim. That's what started all the bullshit last spring. So oh, wait, let's start here. I've been on a couple shows lately talking about the business of podcasting and the business of blogging. One of the things you do in this business is you try to draw people into your show. So Chuck Garfine did this great sit-down videotaped interview of him and Tim Anderson, and him and his team put a clip together from that interview to put on the social media. And yes, beef, not even that clip. Could be- <laughs> you know, Chuck uh, says the same thing about the 108. So, <laughs> put this clip on that, that makes it sound like Tim is attacking Chuck, attacking fans, like all this stuff. And then, so everyone goes crazy. And then right away, Chuck tries to do damage control. I was like, no, 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 go listen to the whole thing. And if you listen to the whole thing or you read the transcript from the interview, which I read the transcript because it was way more easier to stomach than listening to it. Um, he and Car- him, he and Chuck just have that kind of relationship. And like, he doesn't really go after Chuck at all. He doesn't really go after the fans at all. Like, it was the biggest non-story. Yes. Like I don't know what everyone was all fired up about. Like I listened to that like three times. I listened to the clip a couple times. Listened to the whole podcast. They just sound like they're joking back and forth. Like I mean, they, they, he's had him on a couple times. Right. You can tell they have like a friendly relationship. Yes. I didn't know he blocked him on Twitter and all that, but it wasn't it was, like, as it was serious. Non-story. It was so stupid. 
Yep. He did give him the eye, though. He went the like he gave him the chuck, chuck, chuck. Like that was one part that I laughed out loud about because he was like, "You know what you right, did." And I do get where like, what is Tim upset about though? Is is the fact that what that Chuck wasn't a big enough cheerleader when things were going bad and everyone was playing like shit that the media wasn't like there to support them. It's not the media's job to support you. No, as and- a player. they're there to cover you. That's their job. They're not there. They're not there to lift you up. And I know that I know that Chuck of all people is like, you know, he's like the Kaplan of White Sox, which is he's the water carrier um, that, you know, he, he, he is a kind of a homer, but the fact is, you know, it sounds like he takes personal when journalists are keeping the objectivity objectivity and they're not there to coddle you and tell you, Hey, you're going to be fine, Tim. Go get him, Gipper. That's not their job. Their job is literally to report on you and how you played and to break down and analyze your performance. Anything beyond that isn't really journalism. It's just entertainment radio. And like, I, I get that. Journalism. I don't even think Tim was thinking. No, I don't think he just. I think it was more like Jose's gone. He's trying to defend his guys. Like everyone's being negative about us. You know, we're yep. just trying to keep positive eyes. I think that's what it was. Yeah. He was trying to get to, and it just it was so poorly articulated that it gets like twisted in the, the now. But it was really I don't know. It was okay. It was it was a big non-issue that people kind of blew up. I think people are still just really angry about last year, and the smallest little thing is going to set them off. And as soon as he said like, I saw the fans' negativity, and I I wish the fans would pat us more on the back and tell us like, we got you. People took that as Tim hates fans. And no, that's like, how you get a, get a lot of people in trouble. You say, you say, enjoy the ride, enjoy, enjoy the yeah. ride. That's like, that's a buzzword. It's a trauma. There's trauma there, and he just didn't realize that he was a little bit tone deaf about it. But, but it, if, it, he he didn't know. Like, if you listen to the Carl interview, the the Barstool baseball one, the the best thing about that interview, I think, was when Tim he talked about how much Jose Abreu meant to this team and how much he learned from watching Jose Abreu come to work every day and play through injuries and his working his work ethic and how much he learned from him and all this stuff and it's just like okay well that to hear tim say that i was like that's awesome to hear you know like that's great and then in the the chuck stuff like i just what do you want him to say like yeah i hope the fans boo the shit out of us because we're playing like shit like you know it's just (laughs) i i don't know what people expected i think it's a big nothing issue at all i mentioned this in our chat though my little conspiracy theory is my conspiracy theory is that tim tim is out there and he sees that there's a lot of drama going on elsewhere and that people are talking about off the field stuff and why not hop onto an interview and try and draw 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 the fire away from there because we're not talking about certain somebody having an on what is yes, it? Yeah. This is Tanon. This is my yeah. Tanon segment, real quick. Brought yeah. to you by Hats. And but he's drawing the attention away. He's like, hey, look at me, look at me. Don't look over that. That that yeah. over, over I think you're giving that. I think you're giving Tim and the organization as a whole way too much credit. Oh, absolutely. I mean they, they're uh, yeah. like he's quiet, he keeps his head down and like goes about yeah. that's what I expected was nothing. Like it was like almost no talking, just like speak softly carry a big stick because you got lots of so, proof last season was your worst season as a pro. I I will say, well, I'll go ahead, Zoe. I was going to say, we've said it on the show probably a billion times. This actually might be a good shirt for the show. Winning fixes all this shit. And if you're going to talk about this us against the world, Lance Lynn's out here doing interviews, talking about a huge chip on his shoulder, how they had a shitty year last year. Tim saying how the year was shitty last year. The year was shitty last year. 100% it was shitty last year. But, like, okay, you keep, you guys keep talking about all these different things that are motivating you and all this shit. Go win games, and no one's gonna give a flying fuck. Yeah, like, the thing is, I mean? too, 
But you know what they're doing. You know what the, the, they're creating. You it took, and we talked about it before we got on. Yeah. Creating us against the world mentality. It actually has to be us against the world, which means you have to start alienating everybody that's not us to put them into the category of the world. And I mean, these guys will latch on to anything. I mean, think about Michael Jordan against LeBradford Smith, Washington Bullets. Guy scored 37 points. And, you know, Jordan shot just nine for 27. And so Jordan claimed that Smith said after the game, nice game, Mike. And, he, and of course, it was, you know, 36 in the first half, 47 for the game. The next time they played each other. And then he they asked him if, you know, the reporters came up and said, did he actually say that? He said, no, nah, I made it up. No, Why? Yeah. It just motivated him. And these guys are looking for anything to grasp onto to keep that mental edge. And if us against the world plays and us against the world's plays, but get used to it. That means that it's, if you're not us, you are the world. And that means you're against them in their mind, no matter if you are or not, doesn't matter their perception, they're painting it. And if they're going to, if they're going to, if they're going to, you know, uh, um, create that sort of narrative for their team, that's great. You know what? Those teams play really well. Chip on your shoulder teams are awesome because they go out there and they play their ass off. They get a little chippy out there too. Maybe you get a couple dust ups here and there too. A lot of little attitude and, and you got a team that's out there saying, fuck you. I got something to prove. And that's a good team. They want to shove. And I that's think- okay. But it sometimes can be frustrating because there's a million ways to do it. You don't have to do it that way necessarily. And I think we've seen it too in the past, like 2020, 2021, they came in with like, Hey, we got something to prove. We're an up and coming team. And that's why I think they were so successful because it wasn't as much pressure. So I think, you know, I see why they're trying to do that. I think it's good for them. on the flip side too. I will say, and I hate to pivot to Elvis already, but when you listen to Tim and all these interviews, like you can tell he's a quiet type guy. And especially with the departure of Jose Abreu, I think it is a sneaky, the sneaky underrated aspect of that pickup is Elvis, I think is a good voice to have in the locker room now. Cause you've heard about his leadership a bunch, you know, we'll see if he can play second base, but I think the fact that he was so influential last year by all accounts and like Lance Lynn is good of a vocal leader. He is. It's great. But for a starter, you're only pitching once every five days. I think you need that position player. So with mm-hmm. Jose Bray, you gone, you need that like leader to step up. I think Elvis can kind of be that vocal presence they need in the clubhouse. Cause Tim is like the emotional leader almost on the field, but you can tell he's not like that big rah, rah guy. Like you've seen the videos, even when he was into the all-star game, he's, he's more of a quiet type. So that's why I think, and it just reaffirmed it listening the to a funeral that podcast. was his all-star acceptance. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a quiet guy. So <laughs> Elvis is going to be a good pickup. Even like regard if he hits 230, like I mean, obviously that would suck. But the fact that now they got a guy in the locker room that I think can help steer him in the right direction, I think that'll be good. I think the biggest news before we dive into the Elvis stuff, the biggest news that came out about Tim Anderson today was his work with Driveline yep. to reestablish the the stride in his swing. And him saying he feels like his batting title self again when he's swinging the bat. That to me, that's the biggest Tim news of the day. I can give a shit about all this other crap, but I don't it's know. also Car- hard to generate power when you got an injured groin, right? Like yeah. a lot of hitting, your power is coming from your legs, you know. And I don't know if you know this, Mitch, but he can get to first base. He scored first. I did base. know that. Yeah. 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 And when asked about why he doesn't steal, he said, shit, just tell the man in the dugout to give me the green light and I'm good to go. So there you go, Pedro. Give him the give him the green light. He's good to go. There you go. You want to see what, what, what Tim's doing? Of course. Oh, not the sex tape. Oh, the swing. Ah, that one. Don't start shit all the <laughs> What a what a what a ballsy play by him to use a wife analogy in that clip too. Oh, I know. And <laughs> there was another thing that Carl said that it put it on a T for him to be like some, but he instead said like his boys. I don't know. It was bad. But anyways, go ahead. 
I mean, I mean, how does he look? I mean, how does this look compared? I mean, he's I'm trying to watch the front leg. I wish they did a side camera. This is just like an updated version of Wii Baseball. Wii Baseball. <laughs> but look at how he's, I mean, he's doing a good job. Of, he, he's living in the gap to gap, which you want to see a guy in a cage, see where he's putting it. He's going gap to gap. So he's not he's hovering that front foot again, though. Watch his front foot. It hovers for the timing. Let's I see. think it's the second swing there. Forget the swing. Look at those nice shoes he's got. Yeah, on. those are pretty sick. Low he's got his front foot down on time. So, I mean, it's down. No, no, I know, but watch the hover, though. That He got rid of that with the groin injury, and it looks like it's back. Oh, to get more. Oh, yeah. Is, a little yeah. bit of a leg lift. Yeah, yep. yeah, you're seeing that right there. So he's getting a little bit there. So that went, Yeah, that went away after the he's, injury. So He's one of the few guys that I've seen this offseason that added as opposed to took away from this. A lot of guys you're seeing take this 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 front side load. Uh, timing mechanism and, and going down to just a lift and drop or lift and slide, which is what we're seeing. Like what we'll talk about later too, with like guys like Saya. The this other big the, thing from this video. Is this TA? No, that's yeah. Elvis. Oh, okay. The this? other. I was about to say. Dang. No, no, the comment. The other thing oh. from that video is he's pulling the ball. After the groin injury, <clears throat> he wasn't doing the leg lift, and he was just trying to poke the ball to right field. See, he's I doing. He's like, doing. I feel like he you did know, that. The anyway. going, he's going left center. Left center, left center. Like he's that's where he want to go. That's 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 a yeah. gaps. That's a guy with his speed. There he goes middle. You know he's 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 spraying it where you want. To be honest, that's what a guy with his speed too. If he's not leaving the yard, that's where you, I mean couldn't think of a better place for a guy like him to put it. Well, he he gets he can get to first base. He can score from first. <laughs> he can score from anywhere, really. Make that sure. We're talking on the field or off the field. He circles the bases. Uh, all right, all right, all right. And then you did mention the other big move that I didn't really see this coming, to be honest with you. I thought too much time has passed, but uh, the White Sox signed the two-month sensation Elvis Andrews uh, back to the team with the understanding that he is going to – basically, the starting second baseman job is his to lose. I, I was going to ask uh... – Uzo and Mitch, uh, you know, obviously White Sox fans, and then so I mean, you live on Twitter. Yep. It seemed to me White Sox fans were a lot more excited about Elvis Andrews than uh, Benintendi. So, <laughs> because the impression they got of yeah, him, they, it's that he was devil. dominating. Yeah, it's the devil you know type situation. No one watched him in Oakland. Like, look, I mean, it was a, it made him a little bit better. I mean, I'll, I'm more comfortable with Andres there than Rami Gonzalez or whoever they're going to try out. And like I said, with the leadership aspect, too, I think that was very encouraging. Because you could see it last year. Like, he provided a spark. His baseball IQ was on display, which that team lacked. Like, yeah. it's not a smart baseball team. So he helped God. there. You could hear him talking in the locker room. Even Rami Gonzalez, who lost his job to him, essentially, was like, yeah, I was really excited. He came back. They worked on double plays together. Gonzalez asked him to sign a bat before he left because they didn't know he was going to be back. Like, that's how much. He met to him before they left. So that part I like from the baseball aspect. It was kind of like, eh, I mean, I, they're a little bit better. So, I mean, it's it's good. I, I don't think so the hype quick, Mitch, on Twitter is, is worth it. Quick, quick, Mitch, baseball, what are they predicting Elvis batting average? 253. Ooh, you're optimistic, boy. 238. Well, that's basically what his career average yeah, is. That's what he how, many, right how, many his home, career average. how many home runs for Elvis this year? Four. 
I say nine. I was gonna say fourteen because he had seven, but I feel like that's a bit high because he's been under. I'll go fourteen. Lower. Nine. Eight. Nine. Ten. Twelve. Eleven. Eleven. Oh, yeah, that was close. Literally the one number you didn't say. Yes. Look, <laughs> it's eleven. Look, as far as Elvis is concerned, he's been pre- he look he's been preparing for this role all off season. Look, didn't you guys see the story today that he had taken some glamour shots in his Sox uniform in the off season just because he missed the White Sox so much? I mean, I, I we got it right he here. Oh, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm actually, I, I'd be more concerned. We need, a, we need a rim shot sound effect for some of these jokes because I am well, dead. The hitting is, I'm, I'm more concerned about that than the actual transition. For the podcast listeners, this is why you have to subscribe to YouTube. Yes, subscribe to YouTube. Missing all of Kevin's see, jokes. You miss- see all my jokes. And there's, there's, a, there's an extended cut version of that, which is just seven minutes of me doing that so, joke. Yes, not- as the comments are pointing out, he is. He does have an 87 OPS plus for his career. Here's the thing with Elvis, and again, I'm saying this under the stipulation that I understand that this is spring training talk. Okay, so before everyone starts giving me shit, I I understand, but it was nice to hear him say that he wasn't the same from his elbow injury. And that part of the good two months he had with the White Sox was due to part that he figured out what he had to do to correct it. Now, if that's the case and he could sustain some kind of longevity of how he played for those two glorious months last year, now we're cooking. You know so if that's I mean? the like, case, sign him to like a multi-year deal, get rid of TA, call up Colson. Oh, okay, you got your new middle infield. So the big oh, although you'll like this one. The the big thing I saw from a couple people, I think my guy Ben started it, but that Colson is gonna be is being prepared to replace Mancata. Not ah. people Makes are getting sense. wild out on these streets, man. Okay. We need we need the season to start. We have officially entered that part <laughs> of the off-season podcasting where I'm saying like fuck, we just need the season to start cuz people are getting wild with this shit. And we saw it today. Today was a perfect example of that. Yeah. With the TA shit. Like we need, and, and, and like the whole the whole thing with the you. TA. You're a hater, TA. Yeah. You hate fans. Because because the thing is cuz like even even in the interview or even in the clip, he says, you know, like we like we don't do the talking. You're talking, so it's fine, whatever. But like, you know, we we play, and like he's right. Like whatever gets done, they they have to prove it on the field. They know that. Uh, it's just it was mainly frustration of like hearing the constant negative talk. Which again, he's like, yeah, we're bad. We deserve it. And like even how you said, said so, like how how do you stop all the talk? Like you have to go out there like or win games right but like it's it's february 22nd like th- there are no games like th- there is only talk right now so what else is there to, like it's almost here and even spring training like if they start winning like that doesn't matter well, like we still have to got, wait until march and this is the other thing too and because there's no storylines we put more weight in all these comments yep. so you got to take them with like like rick Hahn came in oh rami's really been turning some heads this offseason really impressing I'm two days man. later they go so you got to take all of these with a grain of salt yeah, that's and, doing his job oh by the way i was gonna ask you this do you think the perception of the ellis andrew signing uh changes if they would have signed him back in december 
yes. if it was or or would fans been more of like really we're settling for Elvis Andrews? Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, yes, and that's why I was more yep. optimistic that because I like early in the offseason I was like no we can do way better than Elvis. Like, I think it was an- <laughs> oh, who's that handsome gentleman? He presented again. Uh, yeah, no, it was like it was an outlier from what he did. Like, there's better options available, and then because they didn't, and we were heading into camp on the verge of a Rami Gonzalez, Andre Alberto game. battle for second base. It's like, yeah, Elvis is the yeah. lesser of the six That's evils the they brought in on minor league deals. If you're dying of starvation and someone shows up with like the worst food, I can't even think like liver sausage or something you're gonna be like this is the best shit ever <laughs> and that's kind of what the white Sox situation was at second base it was still no confidence in it and then we're in the middle of february and here comes you know a very tenured vet who had a good 43 games with the white Sox last year and so people are like okay you know i just I was a little surprised with some of the reactions I saw on Twitter. This is what they needed. Like, this is what's it's like, yo, it's, it's, it's He's perfectly acceptable. Like yeah. that's where I was. It was like, all right, you know, perfectly acceptable. Yeah. And his best season. Is I he think- going to be better or worse than Johnny Rollins? Jimmy be- Rollins. Oh, be- better. Jimmy Rollins. Better than <laughs> Jimmy no and Johnny. Longer than two months. Yeah. Yeah. Better than Jimmy and Johnny. But he, I think Ian said it in the comments here. Yeah. His best season was 17. Uh, and then 18 is when he got drilled in the elbow. And if I'm looking right now, if you look at the numbers, it definitely reflects that. Like in 2020, I know it was only 29 games, but he batted 194. Like you could, there's a significant decline after he got drilled in the, uh, the elbow. So if he really did figure out the fix there, I mean, sign despite me up. the fact he hasn't played a game at second, I'm more concerned about the hitting, whether last year was a fluke or not, than I am about him this, adjusting to second base. This is the final point. If it doesn't pan out, it was three mil. Right. But I did notice that Han, he kind of slipped it in during his multiple He did what? Bullshit, uh. Slipped it in during his multiple bullshit sessions the last couple of days. But what this signing also does if TA does go down again with injury or Mankata gets hurt or something, you have a a better substitution there. You know what I'm hearing? Why what? is Rick Hahn putting all this putting that negative energy out there? I mean, I think it's more of a, <laughs> no, a PTSD after the season he went through last year where he's just like, Well, we have no depth. So now I, gets, at least I got the guy. Where it gets really interesting too. Because now Rami, who was the, the front runner to be the second baseman, it makes that and the bench battle is already interesting because they're gonna have the 13 pitchers. You would imagine they got a backup catcher, most likely Seb. And then likely you're at Leary, but like now it's kind of up in the air because Rami can play multiple infield positions too. It's who do you take as your fourth hour fielder? Think, and by the I way, think. you got Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets there. So there's two roster spots up for grabs with a lot of guys competing for it. And it makes it really interesting now when you bring Elvis into the mix. Sorry, I know Beef Loaf ain't going to want to hear this, but I take Rami on the bench over Berger. Yeah. Just yeah. more for the versatility. Yeah. I think Sheets gets the nod too, just for being a power lefty. If those are the two, no, because I think as much as people like to trash on Leary, he's another guy. He's been around there for a long time. Obviously, the people, they they like him. They're paying him $16 million. It's hard for me. He would have to have a terrible spring, and someone's going to have to blow him away for, I think, him to lose his job. 
Like yeah. I think he's gonna be. It, it would. He would have to be like the worst player statistically in baseball. Oh, he <laughs> I was. Gonna, that that being said, Mitch, <laughs> the the White Sox have shown in recent years that they will cut a guy even if they own the money. I'll cut a bitch. They they have like when when we thought like oh they're not gonna they're not gonna cut Dallas Keuchel they owe him like you know twelve million dollars or whatever it was. Or so what did it take? It took Adam him Adam. being but like his ERA ballooned up at the end of twenty. 21 i think it was yeah. and, and like it was got to the point where he was unpitchable the door is now ajar for them to get rid of leary but i still don't think like i still think he's he's gonna be he's gonna be the last so so what would the bench be so sebi or the backup catcher it's gonna be sebi yep. and then i think Ronnie, leary gets the other spot and then you got the two leary. spots up for grabs so it'll be lear so if, if assuming leary's on the team that gives him two more spots so they probably have it for another fourth outfielder. So it'd probably be Rami, and then I actually think it would be a Reyes or uh, Mariznick. As much as people like Billy Hamilton, all he provides is speed. He's a good vibes guy, but I, think- I really think the bench is going to be Sevi, Larry, Romy, and Sheets. Yeah, I can see it. And I'll take I'll take Leary as a fourth outfielder. Like he's a capable. I player. hate I him in the outfield, but yeah, I hate him in the outfield, but he's definitely capable. So. Uh, yeah, people in the comments are starting to agree, but yeah, I mean, well, Eaton was cut too because once again, it got to a point where you could not trot him out. Like, Leary's gonna have to do everything possible to lose the job, like, that's yeah, that's Um, and then before we switch over to the Cubs, I do want to take this time to take a break and then our uh, our cousin podcast network, if you will, the uh, the Tainted Glove Network. On Saturday for the White Sox spring training game, our boy Brian is going to be hosting one of the, what do you call them, Fids? Playbacks. Playbacks for the uh, White Sox spring training game. I know Fids is going to be on there with him. I'm going to try to make it. Uh, if I can, Saturdays are tougher for me, but um, you should tune in there. Those playbacks are pretty cool. It's basically just you get to hang out with people watch the game you have the game on it it's like this but the game's on and then i think we're going to try to set it up where we're going to do some playbacks to the season um but yeah if you're if you're watching the game on saturday why not watch it with uh brian and fitz so it, yeah it's like the manning brothers but with fitz but better and yeah a lot yeah, less fitz is, fitz a lot is a less and so you'll have to tolerate him yes. the other. <laughs> and we'll be talking in-game strategy which i'm a big fan of and right, the well, spring training. Training. so that's yeah. the stuff that i'm actually can't wait i mean how much in-game strategy goes into the first game of spring training though no but you're, well, you're as best either... training games last year which was a huge mistake because the one ended in a fucking tie it, could, <laughs> uh, it was awful not necessarily that but like even at every at bat they're looking you're looking at things of what they're working on with each individual that's approach. Fair. okay There's a lot yeah. of things to look at for every single at bat because some everybody's working on something different that was a whole last year that they're trying to you know plug i guess if you will i think fids that's a better way to put it when you say talking about game strategies it's like dude it's oh no i'm not talking about oh, it's these the are just trying not to die runner should be moving yeah. here like, no no i'm talking like um, this is what they're working on here and the other thing fids i want to bring up is our yeah. fantasy baseball league filled uh no we so we haven't done that yet we remember we open it up uh we'll post a link on our twitter um how and many spots do we have open though we have uh with with the four of us we have that makes eight spots eight spots um so Whoa. we will post that did maddie mitch win it last year uh i think so so maddie mitch gets the auto buy so that yeah. well maddie mitch is automatically in if yep. he wants it and we'll so, post that link but you yeah. have to be subscribed 
to the YouTube page. If you yes. don't subscribe, if you're not, and it's draft day, you're going to get booted. It's a fun league, and also you can try to keep track of how many moves Aldo makes in free agency. Oh, they're capped. So this oh, year we have a hundred. We have a hundred. We have a hundred dollar yep. budget now. You to, to to guarantee that you're going to get a player you want. You All right, so Maddie Mitch is in. So as the defending champ, he gets the right, automatic so, bid. So. Well, yeah, we got goes, a new Mitch uh, coming for that title this year, baby. There goes me at the top of the standings. We got two yeah. Mitches. We got a Mitch. And a Maddie you had Mitch. a great strategy though, although I'm not even going to knock it. Although we just pick up pitchers. You would just yeah. yeah. I mean, because I. I just try to win three out of the five categories, which would be wins, strikeouts, yep. and like either whip or ERA. Right. But as long as you're out on that, keep picking up as many pitchers as you can. Try to get the saves and the wins. So it's I basically normal. could tell you daily what time Aldo took his morning shit. Oh, because yeah. I'd be sitting there and then all of a sudden <laughs> I would just get bzz, 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 bzz. Aldo Soto picked up this guy, dropped this guy, picked up this. I'm like, well, Aldo's taking a shit. So it was every morning around the same time too. Do you want to remind, um, if you if you will, can you, I don't know if you want to rewind, remind everybody what happened in the playoffs. I don't know. I think he was busy looking at uh, the results of the movie the play. Actually, I do remember. Ed. I do remember the play. I actually no, I don't. I I, I know I lost, but uh, was it to you, Kevin? It was to me. There, no, no, I was going to say yeah. he didn't just say that because. I am the I am the thick brag, bro. Let's see the. What is that? I was like the I was the, I've been the Padres of uh, our fantasy baseball league. All the hype, but then can't get done. So I think I'm going to only be in this league this year. So I'm going to give this my full attention this year. I do have to say, as someone who didn't before we started this league, never played fantasy baseball. You do get a lot more familiarized with like the players yes. around the league. One hundred percent, yes. And we also added some more scoring stuff too, by the way. Side note, forgot about that. Yeah, we added a lot of acronyms. <laughs> I'm trying to slide in so I can look at last year's. I can't. Well, I'm trying to pull up last year's too, and it won't let me do it. Like it, usually, there's like a little button where you can click where it goes, like to go to last. I guess what we have never happened. Uh, we gotta fill. We gotta decide on when we're gonna do the draft though, too. So I have yep. to set that. Draft well, up. yeah, we're gonna do the draft like we've done it in years past. We'll be live and we'll, do we'll the post draft. a link like a what the week before and then first come first serve get all the spots. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll Basically announce it. I got a feeling on who's going to be there, but because I think opening day is March 30th, which is what a Thursday. We're going to record the day before. But we actually have like uh, pinwheels and ivy swag we can actually give away. That's right. This year, stuff like that. So that's good stuff. Yeah, we had last year. Wait. Put that in the prize package. Oh, that's regular season. And people are going to be tanking. It has. (laughs) Wait, Fizz, it says you won the league last year. What? Oh. It says right now, it says number one, Sabo's Rexpex won the league. Number two, Cease and Destroy. (gasps) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Did I forget to mention that? (laughs) Wait, when did Manny Mitch win it? Two years ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was two years ago. No wonder Maddie Mitch was so quiet in the chat all the time. I was just waiting for somebody to pull it up besides me. I didn't want to toot yeah. my own horn. Well, and just so you know, there's five teams already registered in this league, so somebody just re-upped it. I think Yumper's in because his team is Mitch's Cattle Report, which Yump gets an, <laughs> Yump gets an automatic bid anyways. So 
I got to figure out <laughs> Maddie's Anger on the name. place where I could find Maddie's and invite him to it. Yeah. Uh, add team. Maybe? Whoever's team up. was. Let's get crazy. Oh. Let's do like a 16 team league. We want to make let's, it a 16? Let's really. No, 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 no. Let's really. It, 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 it stays how at 12. much we know about it, the rest of the mix. It stays at 12. Brian, I got you. It stays at 12, though. It stays at 12. <laughs> that draft Otherwise, I'm going to be starting Joe Adele. And like, yeah, no, it stays at twelve. Like, one of one of you guys is gonna have to get uh, Clevenger if it's a sixteen team league. Oh. <laughs> All of a sudden, the tune changes. Uh, desperate oh, desperate want the guy. Really need to pick. <laughs> Who's the? I'm just looking right now. Who is the top preseason ranked player? Who do you guys think it is? Uh, Trey Turner, maybe, because he was last year. Because Mitch, he Mitch who do you think it is? Uh, it's either him or Otani. Wait, okay. how is Otani treated? Go with. How is Otani treated though? Is he? I think it's so Otani better Otani pitcher. Oh well, no, it's not showing yeah, okay. Uh Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is number three. Mm-hmm. Fids, are you looking at it right now? Me? No, no, no. I think that. Would you take uh, a screenshot of Kevin. Yeah, you've been yeah, taking what? screenshots this whole episode, dude. You're not <laughs> slick. I can hear all of that. Yeah, you have your your audio is linked well, up. No, I, it's, no, that was I was my elbow. It was cracking. Um, uh, who do you think is the top fantasy player going into this season? Chris Bryant. Like <laughs> <laughs> Swanson. Um, no. Uh, I mean, I would think it would be either be Otani or. Uh, Trout probably. I mean, I, it's I don't know. Trey Turner. Although was correct. Wow. It's because they put so. It's because he still bases. Yeah, more it than goes. Him. You know, one John Hand hype video, and that's what it'll do. <laughs> it go. Here's your top ten going into the season: Trey Turner, Acuna, Judge, Jose Ramirez, Julio Rodriguez, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez. Who, by the way, came out today. He's hurt. Uh, Juan Soto, Mookie Betts, and then Vlad the Man Jr. I'll have to keep all that in mind when I set out to defend my title. Oh, that was the screenshot he was taking. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's my trophy. Look at him. Like, isn't that cute? I got a little trophy right there too. One of like ten screenshots, because we hear it every time you do it. Fits. Well, the other ones are just of like you guys in awkward positions that I'm going to put onto a. Uh, yeah, I figured. Yeah, um, what do they call it? A uh, uh, a wish wall. <laughs> that got weird quick. Um. All right. So the last bit of thing before we go into the Cubs side. Uh, subscribe. Subscribe now. Subscribe. Do it right now. Do it. Uh, Fizz, let's do a let's do a swing breakdown. Of who? Of whom? Your guy. Our our jacked boy. Our jacked man. Say yeah. My goodness gracious. I mean, he's almost as big as Mitch. (laughs) Yeah, I've been working out. We're yep. talking. Mitch is getting country strong down. Yeah, there. I was gonna say country. Right. He's been chopping down the. He's getting. He's on that trail. Adam Dunn workout plan. <laughs> he's country right. strong. That was one of the my favorite home run calls of all time. When Adam Dunn was in Cincinnati and he hit one like out of the stadium, then I was just like, he's country strong. Did you, by the way, did you upload that guy to our? No, I didn't. Not the new video. No. <laughs> all right, so we got Saya um, in his regular position. If you saw him last year, we broke down his swing. Uh, it had a lot of Mike Trout resemblance, but he had the traditional high leg kick with his front side. And we're seeing, again, this is something that we saw last week with Andrew Vaughn. We're breaking down Andrew Vaughn's swing is the fact that um, he has quieted down that front side and he's now done uh, got, done away with that high leg kick and moved into something more of a more of a slight lift and slide uh, to keep that weight back and have a little bit more uh, flexibility with your core as far as keeping your weight transfer and but still being able to get your hands out fast. Cool. And 
this seems to be a running theme right now with a couple of the guys that I talked to. Because I was talking, you know, telling you guys about how what Chris was working on, uh, Bryant all offseason was same thing, quieting down that, quieting down that front side and being able to turn on baseballs more, getting the hands through the zone quicker. This obviously helps do that. Nico Horner's taken out of taking the to that that leg lift out. Uh, um, you know, say it has. Um, you know, Andrew Vaughn has. I mean, we were joking earlier, but Tim Anderson added one, which is strange. He's like on the other side of this, but you're seeing this a lot because players are starting to realize the Mookie Betts style of baseball, which is he's not hitting towering home runs to left center into the second deck. He's hitting 345 foot pissers into the left field corner over a 330 foot fence. And so now these guys are realizing that if they can turn, get, get, get inside of a baseball and turn on a baseball, the opportunity for them to leave the yard increases, doesn't decrease by changing and making the slight adjustment. You can do away with the towering home runs. Now, if you can get your hands out front and piss on some baseballs down the line, you're going to leave the yard just because it's just short compared to where you're hitting the baseball to the 375 in the power alleys. Question. Does it help to uh, take away your front foot load up or anything when you gain 50 pounds of muscle? I mean, it doesn't hurt <laughs> it helps because you can trust your hands a little bit more. You can trust your hands in core. Look at, I mean, he is a beef loaf now. He's, he's, I'm sure the, sorry, you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to hear the sound, the sound for this, but watch his leg kick now. It's just quiet. Is right? Leg kick. right. It's just a lift and slide. Boom. And he's got that front foot down. Everything looks good. Point of contact's Excellent. Heads down. You could drive the stake through the back of the head to the tip of the toe. All those, those good shapes. And then just, but look at this point of contact. He's right. He's inside the baseball. Hey, look he at his hands. Jack, dude. dude he's Jack, so that's all I see. Jack, dude. And look where he puts the baseball. That's down the left field line. You could bounce a quarter off that ace. A good like, finish. He is just a specimen right now. What baseball? Yeah, just. And then here you go. So ready, and then just set. His hands are nice and nice and quiet too. I mean, he's not doing a lot at all. He's just load. And look at this. He's coil. He's this is his this is his athletic coil spot right here. Look at all. Look at his weight, his midsection, and how much this is about to just explode with uh with some energy here towards the baseball. Ready? Ready? And then, <laughs> now, now look, watch. One foot down. Subscribe. One foot down, and then <laughs> and he's twisting. Look at look at the hips. Speaking of Elvis, oh oh hey hey, and he gets in and look at just right through the baseball, just driving those hips. Boom, and then comes through the baseball again and a good finish. Oh. Getting inside the baseball. There's so much, so Is much. He... I can see why they're giving him. I mean, he's he's getting some really great projections uh, when it comes to uh, his production this year. Uh, and I thought maybe those were a little bit hardy, but seeing his size and seeing just the way he looks right now, I think that those might be, as long as he's right. healthy. From you two, over under his whole run total, 26. I say 29 under 24. I'm going to go over because that boy (laughs) did a full Rocky four montage for like six months straight. Now I have to, I have to ask It's a little different than live pitching though. I have to ask you a lot of home runs, but yeah, but like, was that 26 at the first half? (laughs) No season. (laughs) How many did he hit it's last year? the first year? half. I don't think I'm going over. He's, how many? He had, how many did he have last year? He did. He was, he, he was he didn't hurt. Have, I think he had like fourteen. I think. Ooh, and he was hurt. Ugh. And he did. And he was hurt. He, he got hurt, have, but couple. that was like a whole different body ago. Like, yeah, yeah he doubled here, his. Here, here, here we go. Let's, let's right. find. Let's, let's, let's uh, 
show you what he looked like. It was a different body. Mitch, it was Mitch, a guy adjusting to MLB baseball the, over. the first time. Mitch, he's a perfect example of what Aldo was talking about, how you pay attention to guys more when you have him on your fantasy baseball team. I had him on my fantasy baseball team, so I, like, paid attention to his season. So I think he's over 26 homers. The so. other thing that, that, you know, besides whatever adjustments he's making with his swing, with his batting stance, um, is – he did have a little uh, Yohan Mankata, like circa, what was that year? He just struck out looking all the damn time. Yeah. he Well, he had a, a standard rookie season dip. Yeah. Like the thing <laughs> I've been talking about, what's going to happen to Colas this year, eventually at some point, there's going to be a dip. There you and go. Then, there's the side by side. Yeah. Look at, I mean, that leg kick is significant. Fidge, you need to hide your DMs when you share your screen, too. <laughs> <laughs> So that's one. There's a good slow motion. Again, we saw that we already saw that, but again, front foot down, real quiet, and then just throwing those hips, just straight from the baseball, finishing good through. Now look at this is last year. Dude, if he puts his legs together in that clip from last year, it's as big as his one leg this year. Yeah. I mean, look at look at his core too. His core is much more established now. I mean, he's got bigger ass too. I mean, that's a great thing to have horse legs. It's all about that base. About that yeah. base. About that base. But that's yeah. like a, that looks like a, if I didn't know any better, I would think that's two different players. Like just on the size and the swing, like that's two different players. So I did, I did look it up to make sure he had, he played in 111 games, 14 home runs. Uh, so he missed what, well, like about 50 games there. If he would have, uh, if he would have played a full season, that comes out to about 20 home runs last year he didn't also had you know like you said though the rookie struggles um the injury but what i was saying was like he has a great eye at the plate at a good walk uh walk rate but he also took like uh, there's times where you're like dude come on the pitch is right there you're a good hitter like swing so you do want to see some of the the swing rate go up this year yeah. yeah, and he'll have more protection, so I think he'll see a couple more. Hit he'll have more games. protection, and again, he's playing his home games in Wrigley, so yep. that helps the home run total. Yeah, you talk me into it. I'm hammering the over. Yeah, he's hitting into the basket. You know, that's a good number. That's a good number. healthy. Yep. And you know, he's going to lose some of that mass as the season goes on because you build up a little bit of that mass because you know over the long haul of the season you just you just burn, just it dies because it's just a lot of. You know, work. Right. So, so we're coming up to the hour mark of the show. Once we hit the hour mark, I'm starting the timer. You have seven minutes to talk about Wilson Contreras' contract. Oh, that's too long. That's a lot of time. Well, I don't think you two know how long it took me to read all those messages. Yeah, but they had multiple syllables. That's not our fault. Uh, so <laughs> reports, conflicting reports came out about the Cardinals catcher, Wilson Contreras, about what the Cubs offered him as far as extensions were concerned. Cubs fans are all still very much in their emotions about how the core was handled, which I understand. I get that. But this definitely fired some people up more than others. Fitz, don't go anywhere. Get your ass back here. I'm giving you your time right now, dude. Um, oh, he's taking up. All right. Um, so go ahead, Fitz. Well, I mean, I just, uh, Wilson Contreras was on the radio, uh, and uh, 
you know, obviously he's been, he's a Cardinal now. He's not a Cub. He left in the off season and signed, you know, a nice, what, five-year, $87 million contract with the Cardinals or something like that. And uh, he was just on the radio. And yeah, I mean, it was brought up like, you know, because again, in the past, Jed has said, yeah, we've nego- you know, we've talked in the past and this and this, but they didn't, you know, there's no real scientific <laughs> It seemed like there was always an inference that he had been, uh, they had been, Cubs have been negotiating at least in some way, shape, or form, considering the 87 hugs and you know tri- tributes goodbye they gave him last year and the year before, thinking that he wasn't coming back or whatever traded. But um, so th- there's this, and so Wilson goes on the radio and he asked, you know, he's he's asked, you know, when was the last time you got a contract? And he, someone, said, I think he said 2000, uh, someone said 2020 or something like that before the sh- shutdown. He goes, no, 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 last time. I ever even the Cubs even approached me for anything was 2018. And it was, uh, he said, what did he say? Five, he said five year, 24. He said, he said four years, 24 million. And so it, the, you know, so going from there to there, it could go to the upward scale of roughly, uh, what, uh, six years, 30, was it six years, 35? Oh, no, I messed that. I messed that up. We're, we're already uh, screwing up the story here. Wilson Contreras went on the radio. He said his, he got a contract offer six years, $24 million in 2018. There it was. Um, and then Cub Zone reported after that the there was a, I don't know if it was the like later on, before, after, whenever it was, that there was reportedly a contract offer of seven years for $35 million that included two club options at the end. So yeah, so that that kind of sets it off, and you know, there'll be, there are people that are upset about the the offer, and although I think you and I are in agreement too that that's arbitration time. He was in the worst career year, worst season of his career in 2018. Yes, his value when it, when it, when you look at the value, that was like his least value at like eight million, I think, a year based on what it was was it Fangraphs or whatever that did that whole like a salary value thing or whatever. Every year after that was like you know eighteen to twenty million, but it. When you look at the market today, it does look like like it, it it appears to be a low ball offer. But when you look at it, the Cubs are trying to be savvy. They caught him in a down year, gave him a, an offer that would be a steal now. I mean, it's roughly. I mean, even if it's six, if seven years for thirty five million or whatever it is, that's five million dollars a year for a catcher that drives in eighty to ninety runs, maybe more depending on the season. It's rough. Uh, it, it's a rough look, and that's it. So a lot of fans were mad about that. I don't even what I was upset about either. It's the fact that it was two thousand eighteen was the last time that he got an offer. And it, it to me, it, at least to me and a lot of other Cup fans I've spoken to, they felt like Jed has kind of intimated that he's been in constant talk with Wilson and negotiating some sort of contract here and there that they were trying. And it just sounded all too familiar of stuff we've talked about on the show with some of the other core players. And that's where that's where my frustration was, was the fact that it was just, it, they were never trying. And you, although you keep bringing up 2018, in 2018, I think the Cubs decided that these guys were all going to be catapulted at that point. And they were already preparing the, they were already preparing the cannon at that point. Uh, I, so it just goes to show that the Cubs really, this, this, this whole blow up wasn't some sort of like whim. It's something that was years and years and years in planning, which is why they leak stories that are, you know, about false contract offers and shit like that. So it all just kind of comes to a head. It just plays more into the, into the, the idea that the Cubs have known that yes, they were going to Mitchell. Play for it. So that's that. This is why, and look, I'm not going to tell you how to fan. This is why I think it's ridiculous when you're like, I'm not going to stand up and give him a, like, a standing ovation because they totally screwed him. Like, well, of course he wants to st- stick it to the Cubs and go to the rivals, and he's going to be a heel and a villain. But he did a lot for that team. You know, he was there for a long time. Like, I think it's ridiculous the people that won't give him his due when he comes back. and like, oh, he signed with the Cardinals, our rivals. Like, I'm not going to like give him a standing ovation. 
Well, he left on terrible terms. They didn't give him a contract extension. Like he has, he has every reason to be pissed at the Cubs. So once he was, so what? He wants to go stick it to him. He did a lot for you. He deserves a standing ovation when he comes back to Wrigley. He gets standing ovation, standing ovation in his first at bat, and then let's rock. Yeah, that you know, but yeah, absolutely. What these guys did for the Cubs should never ever be forgot. No matter how shitty the front office is, no, you know, all that stuff. That's not their fault. It's not the players' fault that they were never given an offer. You can't offer yourself. Uh, and you know, whether it's you know KB, whether it's Contreras, whether it's Schwarber getting non-tendered, whether it's Rizzo, uh, whether it's Javi, all of their stories seem to correlate one narrative, and it contradicts everything that comes out of Jed Hoyer's mouth. And that's the problem. Jed needs to just shut his mouth and let Carter Hawkins do the talking at this point, because everything Jed says to me is all just lawyer speak. And he could obviously say, yeah, yeah, no, we, we definitely, you know, we've been in talks in the past. Yeah. Fucking five years ago, bro. Like don't, don't intimate that it's recent, you know, be a little bit clear. You know, that when you say that you can say, well, I wasn't lying, but it's, you knew what you were intimating. Like, so it's, it's that kind of crap that comes from Jed that kind of frustrates me. And you know, I, (laughs) it's funny. Is Carter Hawkins even real or is he just AI dude? That dude was so impressive at the Cubs convention. When he was speaking, I I can listen to him talk all so, day. Along I'll, those lines, though, and I saw for some weird reason it became a topic towards the end of the day on White Sox Twitter. People are like actually mad at Jose Abreu. Wildest yeah. take I think I've seen, and that's saying a lot because there is a lot of bullshit on White Sox Twitter. But that is one of the most wild things I've ever seen. Like there's... I was thinking that too, talking about Wilson, but I think the Wilson one's a lot. That's a pretty that's a pretty big minority though i feel like with jose abreu i feel like uh, they're it's loud though because it keeps popping up in my timeline wait why are like, they mad at him because he well the biggest thing that they're mad about is him sitting out his last game and not like i still do think i still think that was weird i don't know what that was about and him well i think it was more just anger and frustration because he was pissed how the season went yeah, you know, and he had how the season went. He knew how this was going to play out. He knew damn well he wasn't coming back here. I don't care what everybody says. He he knew the Sox weren't going to pay him. He got a great came out the first time that they were like, yeah, it took Jerry to get him to come back because they were ready to move on yeah. before 2020. He got a great deal from a, arguably the best team in baseball. So he's going to get to do things that he hasn't been able to do in with the White Sox, which is play meaningful baseball late in the season, which, you know, the White Sox could do that too. Yeah. KB and Rizzo didn't get a goodbye. Um, But to be mad at a man for making the best decision for his career. It's not like he didn't choose the Sox. They didn't offer him a contract. Right. And he didn't go to the Twins. I mean, Wilson Contreras went to the fucking Cardinals. Mm -hmm. Like, And you have to know too, Brady wouldn't say shit with a mouthful of manure. Wilson Contreras is going to stir the pot. Wilson oh, Contreras gonna, Wilson is like Contreras a talk oh, shit all year. Dude. Gonna talk, I am it, here for it. Gonna it too. Be, it's going to be a great foil. You know, Jose's not even doing that. Abreu's not even. He's like, oh. I'm so thankful for the time I played with the White Sox. He's never said anything but like nothing but love, and he's not saying anything like you know negative about the White Sox, like nothing. And so that that's what makes it even more boggling. I I can because I know that Wilson said a bunch of stuff about like following and Yachty, blah blah blah. Cup fans have a definite like that's Yachty is a trigger word. And that makes sense, you know, but, but fuck, man, Jose is, I, said, I mean, Jose's still going to get his number retired. He's probably going to get a fucking statue because White Sox love building. They don't like buying, paying for free agents, but they love <laughs> fucking building statues. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Wilson Contreras had 107 goodbye moments. My goodness gracious. So, That's the one to follow in Yachty's footsteps. You know what Yachty is? Besides overrated, he's a legend in baseball. So, of course, he wants to follow in his footsteps. Gotcha. The great thing about the situation with Wilson Contreras and the Cubs, uh, like the thing, like I didn't listen to the interview. I don't know when he, if he got the offer, like heading into the 2018 season, during the 2018 season, during the 2018-19 offseason. Uh, I told you this, Kevin. Like we can talk circles, uh, but like we don't know all the details of any of these contract talks. Um, but like other people pointed out, how at the time what the market was what players were getting offered extensions after two years in the league. That was pretty much, that was, that was like around the, the market for those guys. And mm-hmm. I think TA got like that deal. Um, when we look back at what the Cubs transitioned to after 2020 with Carter Hawkins coming in a new minor league, like just overhaul of their developmental system. Uh, it became pretty obvious to me, I think, but a lot of people, a lot of Cup fans too, they set that challenge to Wilson Contreras. We love your athleticism behind home plate, but you need to improve on framing. You need to improve on game calling, like game day prep or in between starts prep. And as much as I love the guy, and the, that's the other tough part, because like Wilson Contreras is a hard worker, but. <laughs> It just seemed like the hard work wasn't making the results better in the areas the Cubs wanted. And we saw it when they, once they signed Jan Gomes, older veteran guy, but good defensive reputation, good game caller, good relationship with his, with his uh, pitching rotation. Then they did the same with Tucker Barnhart. Because again, these guys can't hit for shit, but why do they sign them? Because they're going to be able to guide this like what they want to focus on now, pitching and defense. That's something that Wilson Contreras just wasn't getting better at. And at the end of the day, I think the Cubs got what they wanted. They still had Wilson for those years. And then they tried to trade him, didn't. That, that That's the failure, is not yeah. trading. You're not getting anything for him. But they had um, a deal with Houston, remember? They reported that there was a deal with Houston that somebody kiboshed it at the last minute, yeah. too. Um, and then And then on the other end, Wilson Contreras won. Like he bet on himself and then eventually he got the big deal. And then the other great thing about it is like, you know, he signs with the Cardinals. So we're gonna we're gonna know very quickly, okay, was it worth was that deal worth it for Wilson Contreras? Was the way that the Cubs were handling him, uh, like the way they were instructing him, was their philosophy wrong? And are the Cardinals just better at that? Because the Cardinals are betting that, like, hey, what we did with Yadier Molina, we can do that with Wilson Contreras. Because the mm-hmm. reputation is out there. Wilson Contreras, not the best, like, you know, game prep uh, catcher in the league. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, the, the the offers, like I said, it's fair, it's savvy for the time is arbitration. St- I, I, mine was more the the messaging out of the front office the entire time. Just, again, so, BS. I just saw this handy-dandy little venn diagram on twitter i mean who doesn't love a good venn diagram this is interesting though since the 2019 season only two players have had a 300 plus batting average have hit 50 plus home runs and have 50 plus stolen bases Mm. tim anderson 
And Trey Turner. Well, look at that. Tia can get on first base and he can score on his own. Yep. But I just thought that was really minimum 1,500 plate appearances. I think that's important. But that's uh... – Dave, where's uh, – uh, I don't see uh, Dansby Swanson on that list. No, I do not. Where is he at? Oh, there's you... Bogarts. Oh, there's Turner. There's Story. There's Lindor. Tatis Jr. I also don't see uh, – Where's Correa? Yeah, what yeah, the hell? Where's Correa and his uh-huh. iron legs? Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Does that say Tommy Fam? Yeah, Tommy Fam. Tommy Fam. At what man? I've never it's been more wrong on a guy. I thought that trade that the Padres made. I thought Tommy Fam was going to be good. He was not. God, he was so good in high school. He was so good in high school. But I just thought that was really. I mean, oh, Ta got his option, so Ta is going to get paid. Well, no, that's what I was going to say. Though, speaking of crazy things that I saw on Twitter in relation to the White Sox was that article from, I think it was Southside Sox, where they're like, Tim Anderson, or the White Sox could seriously consider not picking up Tim Anderson's option. I was like, what? So what? <laughs> no, I think it's I, only like $12 million. Yeah, <laughs> if you can get TA for 12 mil, you go ahead, you take that. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care how good Colson Montgomery is. <laughs> No, and like I said earlier, we'll find a spot for you. Hell, yeah, they're playing Andrew Vaughn out of position. They'll throw a Colton <laughs> Montgomery at catcher if need be. There you yep. go. Saw some encouraging videos and read some encouraging, very string training like quotes about Oscar Colas. Okay, um, okay. It was Southside Showdown that wrote that article, though. Although that's what it was. Yeah, my, oh, I know my Um, but I wouldn't put much stock into that. Oscar Colas is kind of like uh, Suzuki earlier. That boy's big. He is a strong young man. So curious to see, you know, his AAA coach had a, a lot of glowing things to say about him. And again, like I said, it was very spring trainee esque Like he can do everything. He can do blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But, um, oh, funny that you asked this, TMF, in the comments. Uh, while you're there, please subscribe to the channel. Who? So who is in the best shape of their life so far? I've been trying who to keep track it? of this. So Lucas Giolito cut 35 pounds. Aloy also cut 30 to 35 pounds. Um, Suzuki, obviously. Um, They're saying Rami. I don't know if that counts as best shape. Yeah, I mean, Rami's always. um, Christopher Morell for the Cubs. That dude's jacked, too. Morell got jacked. Uh, Grandal supposedly has been in this new training program, and he's in great shape. Uh, Actually, Pedro, like. Did a solid five minutes in an interview, like how he was so impressed on the condition all these guys showed up in. And he said it really speaks to how pissed off they were about last year. Again, that's the running theme. Um, I like Pedro. Okay. He says everything the fans are like thinking. He's like, yeah, there's times this team would look like they were sleeping. We knew when we were going to be able to beat them like nights with the Royals. Yeah, there's, I, he, he so far, early impressions for I'm, Pedro. I'm, I, I like it. I I'm, like yeah, it. I'm, I'm, I'm. Pedro's on my good side so far. I'm liking, liking no, what he you says. Did, you just wait. You just wait until his opening day lineup, though, and Mitch. Then you'll I, see. You'll see how quickly Sox fans return. <laughs> well, that's – I mean, that's if – I was talking to – I think I was talking to Beef. Somebody I was talking to, and I was like, Beef? the best way to look at White Sox Twitter is if you look at it like you're, like, observing an insane asylum of all baseball <laughs> fans – 
White Sox Twitter is like the greatest place on earth because there's just some of the takes are so bad they're funny. The deeper you get, like into the into the dungeons of White Sox Twitter, the takes get just darker and darker. It's just, but you got to be able to laugh at it though. Like if you take yeah. everything so seriously, you're not gonna last. Like, and you people, know what? We we weren't saying this about Tony Larusso, his no, first spring training. No, so. I feel way better. And it's it's not just I guess. When we say like we're big on Pedro, I'm it's more I'm big on like the entire coaching staff. Yeah. Outsiders. They're outsiders, finally. Yeah. I think Out- when I say but when I say Pedro, I think I'm more alluding to like the entire coaching staff. I'm just it's easier to just say one name. But you know who it reminds me of? And I know this is gonna be a bad comparison, it might trigger some people, but it you're, almost gives me Rick Rentoria vibes. No, it gives me a little Rick Rentoria vibes when he first took over because the team had been in a rebuild. They've been playing like crap for a while. And when he took over, he's like, look, we're going to make you guys proud to be a Sox fan again. Like, seems going to hustle. They're going to play baseball the right way. You're going to get a good effort. And that's kind of the same message that Pedro Grafal's given out. And the difference is he has a much better team now to start with. So I'm optimistic. We'll see how the managerial decisions play out. But uh, I, so far, so good. I, I yep. like it. Yeah, Pony Boy. I like too when he was here. All the outsiders. I'm, I'm in on all of them, but yeah. And that dally, that dick. Oh wait. Yeah. Sorry. That guy sucked. Um, who my biggest what? thing though, as a fan, cause obviously I don't need to have this chip on my shoulder from last season. Like that, that does nothing to me. I'm showing up ready to drink seven beers before the fifth. <laughs> seven <laughs> beers. What are you in eighth grade? Um, you know what seven beers is? Enough to fit in that fanny pack, right in the fanny pack. Actually, the, the pinwheels and ivy fanny pack. Um, kind of now I got a chip on my shoulder. Last year's last year, man. Like, it's just put a, chip, put a chip on your hip. I I understand people bringing it up, but to dwell on it and to I don't know. I think this year it's not the same team for reasons we spoke about at length on this show. Guys coming back from injuries couple new guys couple guys coming up from the minors brand new coaching staff like i'm gonna let it play out before i get mad personal decision for me it's a reset we're hitting the reset i'm being pissed at the offseason and again we say it up and down every which way on the show we'll never tell you how to fan like if you want to be mad be mad that's that's your prerogative how you want to spend your time but we'll let ta do that yeah let yeah (laughs) It's just, I kind of just have a, I don't want to say like a rosy outlook on this season, but they still got to prove it to me, but I'm not going to go into this like mad. Like it is what it is. The team is what it is. Last year happened and go win some fucking games now. Isn't it amazing how expectation has such an ability, like so much power over like enjoyment sometimes if you over, if you have over expectations and when you come in, just kind of like saying, let's see whatever the fuck happens, happens. Old. Oh, yep. thanks for the invite, Dick. Well, you live in mis- misery now. So, so only a five hour drive. Yeah. Ooh. I'll be hauling ass up there for a couple games. Yeah. And yeah. when they're KC, start my own section. How far are you from the, that stadium? Two hours, and also two hours from St. Louis. So, and they're going to be in both ballparks. So I can't wait till the White Sox be making an appearance. I can't wait till the White Sox. So I'm there, and wait I'll buy you the beer. The Las Vegas Athletics. Soon. Um. 
going to happen. You guys want to do NASCAR minute because it's not going to be a minute because I'm fired up. It's be five hundred. All right, let's see. Let's get into this. Oh, I got, I got for that real quick before we get into NASCAR minute. We do we want to uh, make sure that you see this beautiful new contact lens situation. No. So, so wasn't that so a thing see- before? That was, was a it? thing a couple years ago. Like hitters were wearing them or something. Somebody else wore those. I, I think yes. No, That's a lineman for the Lions that had them, and he was yeah, terrified for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's DJ Hertz wears these really red contact lenses, and they kind of reminded me because though today in the car I said his, his eye <laughs> mentioned his eye too in the car. Yeah, yeah. Well, my eye's better, but it was fucked up earlier. But um, it's a fine looking cap he got on there too. Yeah, let's get into. It. Hold on, Mitch. Huh, hold on, hold on. Prefacing this, I actually fucking watched NASCAR this week. I know you did. I was gonna start. Exp- well, I, I, yeah, I asked. Let's go do the NASCAR. I'm gonna break it down first, and then I'll give the floor to you because I know you said you had questions. Well, yeah, I just wanted to, before you break it down, I want people to go into this knowing that on Sunday I asked for NASCAR locks because I, I, I was ready to bet. I got a bunch of replies, but of course I'm gonna go with what my guy Mitch says. So I made those bets, and I had a bunch of shit that was going on on Sunday. And I well, was part of my NASCAR minute. I actually had that built in. Yeah, I sat down, ready to watch the end of the race, and I turned it on. And then this is go ahead, Mitch. Break All it right. So we're gonna back it up just a little bit. I promise. We will, I'm gonna keep this as concise as I can, but to give everyone the full scope. So for Daytona this year, there's a little added intrigue just because they had a bunch of different guys trying to qualify that aren't usually in it. So one of them was Jimmy Johnson, who just bought his own team, and he's like, I'm bored in retirement. I'm coming to race. Jimmy Johnson, legend in the NASCAR world, Hall of Famer, coming back. So that was a big deal. He needed to qualify. They had this guy, Travis Pastrana, who does, like, motocross. He's been in the X Games. He's a certified badass, never driven a cup car before. So he he's qualifying. He, he's on a team. And then there's these two Xfinity drivers. And then there's this one IndyCar driver, Connor Daly, that he wants to give a shot. He was actually on Floyd Mayweather's NASCAR team in this crappy-ass car. His car didn't even start during qualifying, so he didn't get to qualify. So the way Daytona works, you have your qualifying day. Or you can qualify on speed, which most of the normal drivers did. And then two of the guys, so Jimmy Johnson qualified on speed. Travis Pastrana qualified on speed. So then it was the two minor league guys and then plus the IndyCar guy that were vying for, like, the last two spots, right? Uh, so then they have the duels, which are on Thursday, which is kind of like a practice race that's 60 laps long. There's two of them, and it determines based on qualifying the starting position for the inside lane and the outside uh, turn lane. Turn it down, turn it down. We can't hear them. I didn't do yeah. that. All right. So the duels are going. First duel happens. Joey Logano wins it. Ford, right? So this is part of where my betting advice said. So second duel happens. Kyle Busch is in the lead. Kyle Busch is on a new team, high expectations. He's another certified Hall of Famer. He's never won a Daytona 500. He's motivated. End of the race is coming. And like I said, this is a practice race. So no one's like really trying, and you don't want to tear up your car for the actual race. Daniel Suarez is behind him. Suarez is pushing the hell out of him near the end of the race. So Kyle Busch loses control because Suarez knows that like KB just went to Mexico with guns. So he's like, I'm taking one back. Adios, amigo. He punts Kyle Busch into the wall, wrecks his car. Kyle Busch is pissed like, what the fuck, man? You just wrecked my car during a practice race. Anyway, the race ends. Eric Amarola, Ford wins. So the we're going to flash forward to Sunday. No one's asking for betting advice. And I'm a Suarez guy. He's a Chevy guy. But in my mind, Daytona 500 winner last year was a Ford, Austin Sindrick, Team Penske. 
the two dual winners at Daytona last year, two Fords, Brad Kozlowski, Bushler. This year, two Fords won the duels, Fords up front. The Fords are fast. Like they always like, so I'm like, Zoe, you, you want to bet on Ford. I put a little money on Ford too. And then for the to, to pick, he wanted to pick to win too. It's kind of a crapshoot. Anyone can win, but I'm like, Brad Keselowski, good on super speedways, has a fast car. I think he's a guy to watch. All right, so now we're going to go back to the normal race. Pretty tame most of the way. 11 laps to go. Keselowski was leading like lap 34. He's in control with him and oh, his real teammate. Quick, he's not the guy from Monsters, Inc. No, no, different guy. Oh, he's he from Michigan. Wow. Michigan, not Monsters, Inc. Yeah. So him and his team, and he left Team Penske, who was a Ford team, to start his own team to RFK Racing. So him and his teammate, Chris Bushler, they're dominating up front. And the way super speedway racing works, like Daytona, you got to draft. It's all about finding your teammates or the same manufacturer and, like, working in tandem to, like, push each other slash stay in a line so you Shake can, like, bake. cut down. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. That's the one thing Talladega Knights got right. Shake and bake, that's a real thing on super speedways. So they're controlling the race. They're up front. Caution comes out. So now they need extra fuel. So Brad and his teammate had to go refuel, so they get cycled back a little bit. So 11 to so like Zoe, he's texting. He's like, hey, where's my guy? I'm like, he won the first stage. He was doing good. He was in first in the lead. Now he just cycled back. Now with 11 laps to go, he's starting to work his way back up front. He's in like sixth. So they're, they're in position, right? They're fourth and fifth, controlling the high lane. They start rocketing their way to the lead because our busher pushes Keselowski up front. So they're in the lead. Now, KB and Austin Dillon, Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon, their teammates. Kyle Busch had to get a backup car because his car wrecked in practice. It was a number three car. They had to repaint over to get the number eight logo and everything on it. So him and his teammate, they get a run. They pass him for the lead. So they're pushing. And then everyone just abandons Bush and Bush or um, Keselowski and Bushler. So they get cycled out because everyone's following the Chevys. So now they drop back and it's like, oh, crap. All the Chevys are on top. Keselowski's in trouble. The only guy that can help him out is Joey Logano, and he just hightails it with the Chevys and goes in the high line. So now Zoe's pick's essentially screwed. So Logano and Sindrick, they leave Brad out to drive. So he goes to six in a matter of seconds, going from first. KB, now it's his race to lose. Kyle Busch has Austin D Dillon pushing him, his teammate, and Austin Dillon's one of 500. He wants to help his boy out. So he's pushing him. Looks like they're going to win the race. Then all of a sudden, Daniel Suarez, back of the field, spins, throws it out of caution. So Suarez has now screwed over Kyle Busch twice. Once wrecking his car, and two, when it looks like he's in control for the win, he spins out, caution comes out. So now they have like an overtime for NASCAR. The way an overtime works for NASCAR is you get two laps, green right checker they call it, uh, and then whoever, so if it gets to the white flag, and then there's a caution, whoever like is in the lead gets it. So now they have a decision to make, Kyle Busch and his teammate Austin Dillon. They can either go behind each other, and Austin Dillon can push them, or they can like do a controlled lane and like they'll take each, like one will take each lane. So Kyle Bush is like, let's just split lanes. So he takes the top lane, his teammate takes the bottom. And this was a mistake. So the green flag drops. And what Kyle Bush wanted to do was drop to the bottom lane. So Austin Dillon, when he had a run, he could start shaking, baking, and get a push. Well, Austin Dillon didn't get a good enough jump to get a push. Joey Logano, who was right behind Kyle Bush, did get a good enough jump. So he starts pushing Kyle Bush out front. Dylan didn't, so by the time he gets down, the bottom lane has no momentum. Joey Logano's lane on the top has the momentum. So now I'm all excited because I'm like, hey, Zoe, this is a Ford. This will be good. A Ford driver wins. We're winning our money. And I don't want to be a Bernie Madoff, take his money, and then all of a sudden, you know, nothing, nothing coming from it. So, <laughs> you know, Joey's in the lead. I'm excited. Now all of a sudden, bottom lane, Kyle Larson, he goes three wide, tries to make a move with his Chevy teammates. But because he goes three wide, no one goes with him. So he starts dropping back. No one wants to go with him. He's just hung out to dry. As he's dropping back, 
He gets wrecked. Huge crash. Austin Dillon, Kyle Busch's teammate, caught up in it. Wrecks half the field. Another caution. Now it's another overtime, right? Now it's Kyle Busch is pissed because he lost his teammate. He lost the control. So now it's Joey Logano near the top. So green, right, check of time. Oh, it's Ricky Stenhouse. All of a sudden, he came flying in. So he's in the top with Joey Logano. So these two are kind of like battling out. Stenhouse has the top lane. Logano's behind him. Larson has, or uh, Kyle, Kyle Bell's behind him, Chris Bell or whatever. So uh, let's see what happened. Kyle Busch, he gets a run behind Joey Logano. So they're trying to like move forward or whatever. But all the energy gets broke up. Stenhouse, he gets out by himself. He pushes Kyle, or he pushes Logano, drops to the bottom lane, gets a run from the Chevys. Fucking Logano is out to dry. He's kind of screwed. So now, as he gets takes the lead, Stenhouse is out front and from that. This is where Larson shuffled back, created a wreck. And then all of a sudden, a caution comes out because it's the last lane. Green light checker. So Logano, is there even? It looked like Logano had won, but the caution came out. Stenhouse was in the lead by inches, and that's how the Daytona 500 ended. It was like a double overtime. Longest race in Daytona 500 history lap-wise because of all like the extra overtimes. That's kind of a poor way of explaining it at the end, but that's what happened. Kind of controversy. Kyle Busch, bottom line, got screwed by Suarez twice. Yeah, so I didn't watch any of that shit. I just turned it on, and as soon as I turned it on, they started crashing into each other. Yeah, yeah. And it was like they would race for like three minutes, and then they would stop again, and then they would start again. So a couple questions I had. One, apparently you can get a speeding ticket in a fucking NASCAR race. Thought that was the whole fucking point of NASCAR. I'm pit lane. You can get a fucking speeding violation. Which, which is, is funny. How wild to me. Well, it's uh, funny because you mentioned that. Ricky Stenhouse, who won the race, he got a speeding penalty like midway through. So he lost his track position, and he avoided a wreck early on where he would have been had he have not sped. But because he was in the back because of the speeding penalty, he avoided it, which put him in position near the end to be in for the win. But it's for like safety for the guys on pit road. That's where you can get the speeding penalty. I think it's kind of bullshit that they could just be like, well, race is over. Uh, you were in the lead. You win. Make them finish that shit. Well, they used to. So the way it works, like for the overtime, like they would make them finish, but then you have guys like gunning it and there'd be a wreck or whatever. And so like it would create even bigger crashes because like there's two guys racing and meanwhile there's like a stalled out car and they're trying to make it around the track. So for safety reasons, they made it where if you got... Because especially at a race like Daytona, everyone's pushing hard near the end and like teammates are thrown out the window. So everyone's just... They're making assume, crazy moves. As a, as someone that was like watching it, like, all right, I'm gonna try to get into this a little bit. That made me never want to watch NASCAR again. It's fair. Finish the race. It was like this is lame as shit. It was like a tie in a spring training game. It was like, yeah, this, that's the end. All this crashing, all this crazy shits going on, and that's how it ends. I was like, this is bullshit. And plus, I lost money, so I was really mad. But I was like, Logano was so close too. And when Larson, I so thought like, he won. Huh? I thought he won. No. So Joey Logano, I explained it kind of poorly. So the last restart, because there was a caution that happens, and Dylan got caught up with it. So now it's Logano on the top lane. Ricky Stenhouse takes, like, the bottom lane. First of all, Ricky Stenhouse sounds like the most made-up fucking name I've ever heard. It's a real name. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He was dating Danica Patrick for a while before Aaron Rodgers swooped in there. Um, But so Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who Brad Doherty, former basketball player, is his team owner. He's on a team with Brad Doherty. Uh, I knew he was in NASCAR. I didn't know. And he hasn't won a race in 199 races, which is the third longest streak in history. He hasn't won since 2017. But Stenhouse, he has the bottom. Logano has the top in this last caution. Logano had um, Kyle Busch behind him, and then Kyle Larson was behind Stenhouse, and then Christopher Bell is somewhere near there. So 
uh, Stenhouse got the good run near the bottom. He got pushed out a little bit too far from Kyle Larson. So Kyle Larson tried to make a move toward the middle. And as he did the move to the middle three wide, he lost kind of all of his momentum. So he starts shuffling back. Kyle Busch starts pushing Joey Logano forward because he's trying to make a run. So Logano's in the lead. And this is where I'm all excited because it's like the last lap of the race. As he pushed him toward the lead, Larson got wrecked. And as Larson got wrecked, Christopher Bell, who was behind Larson, he came and pushed Stenhouse a little bit. And that last push put him ahead when the caution finally came out for the big crash. And because it was the last lap, but once the white flag comes out, whoever's in the lead when a caution happens, that's the winner. Had it yeah. have not been the white flag with like two laps ago, then they would have done another overtime. It was, fucking lame. It was such an anticlimactic ending. It, just, yeah. it was like, yeah. and I don't, because I don't know what the fuck's going on. All of a sudden, the announcer's like, and it's over, and we'll wait and see who wins. And then Ricky Bobby Jr., whatever the fuck his name is, they showed his team going crazy. I'm like, I, that's what I messaged. I was like, did I just lose? Like, what? what <laughs> yeah, the fuck it is happened? kind of a bogus way to end. Had it have been the second lap, they would have done another one. But last lap, they didn't want people racing toward the checker anymore because people were getting. But isn't hurt that the point of a crash. race to race towards the checker? Yeah, but when there's the big crash like <laughs> crash, that, so on the white flag, because then guys in the back would be like plowing through a wreck because they're like, oh, what? there's points on the line, and it would just like people getting hurt, and it was like even worse injuries. I'm pretty sure I saw Lightning McQueen use his tires to spring off another car's tires to jump over a wreck. And he hit him with the Jordan tongue and winked at the twins. Most NASCAR races don't end that way. Well, it's usually they super speedways are like, it's going to take a lot for me to give it. I'm, I'm going to have to gamble on another race for me to watch it again. Cause one more fun fact about Rick Jr. Like most people don't like him. They call him spin house. Cause he causes a lot of wrecks. Like most people think he's a hack. And in fact, their exhibition race at the LA Coliseum, he didn't qualify for the main show. Like they have heat races and he didn't qualify. And then he ended up winning the Daytona 500. So just goes to show. Anyway. My one question, in terms of the the actual broadcast, were there too many commercials? Yes. Oh, oh my God, yes. It was and that's awful. another question that I had. Why the hell is a convicted killer doing color commentary for Tony NASCAR Stewart. races. Tony yeah. Stewart's a douche, first off. I don't like Tony Stewart. Yeah, he's boring in the game. Never like he him. does though what happened with his case, he after his NASCAR career did like sprint car racing, which is like dirt racing. So it's a little bit harder to drive. And so he wrecked a guy during one of these sprint car races. And the guy he wrecked got pissed. So he got out on the track and was like yelling at him out of his car. And there's a caution. Tony Stewart, who has this reputation of being this intimidator, like fights a lot of people in pit lane. He's like, you know, thinks he's a badass or whatever. He wanted to rattle his cage a little bit. So he like swerved at him. And I guess he like lost control and hit the guy. So the family obviously is all pissed because they're like, he ran him over on purpose. And Tony's like, no, it was an accident. Like I lost control of the car. He shouldn't have been on an active racetrack. And the deal breaker was the guy was high. They found like marijuana in his system. So that's kind of what got him off. It's like, well, he shouldn't have been walking out on an active racetrack and it's hard to drive a sprint car. So he got away with the manslaughter. And that's why he's in the boots. Tony Stewart is five, nine. He a little guy too. Yep. From Indiana. He's really tough. He likes fighting people. He, here's another fun fact for you. Joey Logano, when he was young, he joined NASCAR when he was 15. So all these guys are always trying to bully him. Like they'd always race him really hard. And Joey was like, oh, like, hey, like, why are you doing that? So like Joey got sick of it eventually. And he starts wrecking him back. 
They created a monster with Joey Logano. And so, like, Tony Stewart's like, hey, what the hell? He's like, hey, man, you know, that's just, like, short track racing. Like, hey, you did it to me. I'm going to do it back. And, like, he's like, hey, don't you ever race me like that, you son of a bitch. And they got into a big fight when he was a teenager, like, afterwards. Like, he was trying to beat him up, and then Joey and his goons so, came in. And- I do want to confirm that I started doing something else, and I had left the TV on, and I had listened to a Joey Logano interview. He does talk like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not hilarious. I love Joey because he's funny. He's like a two face. Like he's a psycho. Like you talk to him and he's like the nicest guy. Like, hey, like, you know, oh, shucks, we lost. And then he's on the racetrack. He's a psycho. Like he'll just wreck you for no reason. Like someone will bump up and be like, hey, take that, buddy. Just spin him out. Does not care. No friends on the racetrack. But he's like this nice guy off of it. He's insane. Jeff Gordon's 5'7". Yeah, he's short too. Oh, yeah. Are they like jockeys? Are all NASCAR? No, I mean, look up uh, um, Ryan Newman. Michael Michael Curtis Waltrip was 6'5". He's the tallest ever NASCAR racer. Yeah, I mean, it's all about speed. Like, you're sitting in that car for a long time. You can't be, like, that tall. Wait, so, Mitch, what was was this, like... And you like, why were there so many commercials? Was it really that much well, more than previous? Daytona years? is like their Super Bowl. And so, obviously, right. advertiser, if you're going to advertise NASCAR race, you're going to want Daytona. So, this is almost paying for the rest of their season, this race. And so, especially the first couple stages, because like the final stage is when things are heating up. So, they don't yeah. want to have any commercials during the last couple like stages. So, early on, so many commercials because they're trying to cram it in. So, in yeah. crunch time, they can keep it on like the action. Which is like fine, but like I wish they would go like side by side or something. Because there was like one point they'd come back and like, and there's a wreck. Half the field destroyed. Like you completely missed it. It's like what the hell. So, but like from the advertiser's perspective, is like we're not paying all this money for you to go like split screen. Yeah. So it's yeah, it it sucks, but I get why it happened. God damn, Tony Stewart's worth a hundred million. Yeah. Must be not. He's a very good. I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer too, but he never won the Daytona 500. That's always a notch people like hold against him. So that's where Kyle Busch is at, where he's like, I've done everything I need to do in my career except win a Daytona 500. And he would have had Suarez not spun him out. Another reason I love Suarez because he screwed over that douchebag. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh, that was just, that was rough. It was not a good day for my uh, journey. We were close, though. I was, I was feeling pretty good about the Kozlowski pick. One stage one, in control with like 11 to go. It's not our day. Just, oh, the way that that fucking ended. Yes, Yumper. Mark Martin's a Hall of Famer. Even though he never won a championship, he's a Hall of Famer. He's, he's like a damn Marino. Pretty much, yeah. <sighs> Oof, sorry, that was the extended NASCAR minute. It won't all be this long, folks. No, because I, I actually watched NASCAR, so I... I was upset. What's the next race, Mitch? Fontana, which is going to be a good one with this new car, and they're tearing down the track after this year. Like okay. this, well, for a while, like NASCAR just came out with a new type of car, which is really good on like the like intermediate tracks. Which forever, like it was the old car was not good on intermediates. This one's excellent. Like the racing's great. So Fontana, because all the older races are like kind of lame. They're like, hey, let's take it down and make a short track. Well, last year, Fontana was, like, one of the best races of the year because the asphalt's really old, which makes for, like, good racing. And as I said, it's, like, an intermediate. You can go four or five wide, which is, like, insane. For, so, But this is going to be the last one. They're tearing it down. So I think it's going to be an excellent race, but it's going to be kind of sad because, right, this, the intermediate tracks are getting good. They're, they're tearing it down. Joe Montana? I said Joe Montana. No. I said Joe Montana, you fucking <laughs> idiot. Uh, all right. You guys got anything else? Bet a Chevy next week. Chevys are going to be fast. I ain't betting shit. I'm going <laughs> to 
couple week break from last. Still has to prep. Bullshit. Still has to prep for the Coca Cola six hundred. Yeah, after yeah, that right. fucking right. bullshit. God damn. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I do want. I I'm gonna try and demo this fanny pack on Saturday during that Sox playback with uh with Brian. So we're we're gonna fill and then unfill this. A six pack challenge. Seven. Oh, seven. That's right. Seven pack. However many I can fit in there will be the challenge. That's so. Remember, fitness in your fanny pack. Go subscribe. Tell everyone you know to subscribe. Go buy some merch. Watch the playback on Saturday. For the White Sox preseason opener. And uh, yeah, subscribe on YouTube. So for Mitch Fids, Aldo Amzo, we'll see you guys next week. This Padres pitch is shitting bricks right now. Why? Because Danny fucking Burgess is up and back. Guy just started Shake Shack straight to the dugout. Free build of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Straight rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it.